Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, everyone. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but before we get to it, we are up for an award. Because of all your support, the Australian Podcast Awards has put us up for Best True Crime Podcast. So all you have to do to vote, and you absolutely should, is to head across to their website. There is a link on our Facebook page over at facebook.com forward slash loose units. Get voting and maybe we'll win an award. And as I pointed out before, I just want to hear Dad make a speech. On with the show. When I was a little kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 80s in Sydney, which is generally regarded as the wild west of law enforcement. A terrifying time to be a cop or a criminal or just to be in Sydney full stop. And I one day stumbled upon his case files and they absolutely ruined me. So years later, I approached dad and we went through his old case files together and it became a book, Loose Units. It's in stores right now, actually. And now we're doing a podcast about it. Loose Units, the podcast, is a weekly true crime podcast where I sit across from my dad, an ex-cop from the 80s, and we dive deep into the seedy underbelly of Sydney's policing. So we're doing this podcast down here in Collingwood every week at Castaway Studios together, and we hope you enjoy it. Last week on Loose Units, the podcast, dad dropped the bomb that he was actually involved in the air wing. I don't know what that is. Okay. Well... I love planes. <laughs> okay. And you know that a few weeks ago we discussed me missing a plane. Yeah. That was rather sad. Yep. yep. Um, can I tell your listeners just very quickly about my skydiving days? I guess so. I mean... It, really quickly. Look, it, the thing is that I love jumping out of planes. In yeah. fact, there was a time mm-hmm. when I'd never, ever, ever landed in a plane. I'd only ever taken off in them. Really? Yeah. Because I Wait, used to jump out of them. It's only the first time you went up in a plane you jumped out of it. Yeah. That's very, oh, not, that's oh, very not strange. the first time I would. Well, then the whole thing you just said was bullshit. No, but I mean, you know, yeah, I, point taken. How often did you <clears throat> embellish like this during the... No, you know, I'm not embellishing. Okay. Anyway, skydiving, I love planes. Yep. Uh, in fact, uh, my colleague uh, in the book... Yep. Which one? That Julian? We, that we call Julian. He yep. and I... Oh, anyway, look. We used to uh, catch the Red Rattler. For Sydney people, they'll know that as an old, shitty old red train. Uh-huh. And we used to catch that out to Bankstown and uh, we used to fly. We used to fly down south. We used to charter planes. Wait, you used to fly... You Wait, you flew planes? Well, unofficially, I took off once you, from... Uh, I've taken off a few times, twin engine. You illegally flew a plane? Yep. Without a license? Well, I, I wanted to get a license. How old were you at this point? Hang on, were you a cop at this point? Yeah. You, we used to fly down. We used to go scuba diving. No, but, 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 but you can't... <clears throat> you're a cop and you're breaking the law. I don't know whether that covers aeronautical law. Uh, d- don't give me that bullshit of like land, sea and air. Like it's not, it's not outside your jurisdiction. We used to fly down to Jarvis Bay and uh, we used to fly at 500 feet, mm. which is just above the cliffs. Okay. And uh, 
And then we, I remember we were landing one day at Jarvis Bay in a small plane. Yeah. And there was an ambulance to our right, sort of at the same speed we were doing, driving on the next to the runway. So right. we thought we had no wheels. But you did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> did you do anything else that was shonky or illegal outside? Yes. You... Okay. Lots of stuff. We the... used to scuba dive. I, I think it's in the book. We used to dive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. in the book. But I mean, we did a lot of illegal scuba diving in, in illegal locations. That for illegal for 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 good reasons. Oh, okay, right. Uh, but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. So there you go, kids. From a former police officer, if it's illegal but it's fun, it's fine. Yeah. Um, here's something I quickly wanted to get onto before we do the air wing. The literal opposite of the air wing. I seem to recall as a kid the word abalone being thrown around a lot. Yes, I. I've got to be very careful. I don't know whether there's a statute of limitations on illegal abalone diving. Yeah, if, but we, if we pull out and this is being played in a courtroom at some point. Yep. But uh, I love abalone. And Christine and I, your mum yeah. and I, yeah. when you kids were little, do you remember we used to eat lobster tails and abalone for breakfast? I have a vague recollection of very expensive seafood. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, okay. So there used to be, I've got to be super careful. <laughs> I'm giving myself a caveat here. It's caveat. Whatever. I used to... Um, uh, I used to do a lot of diving, a lot of scuba diving. In fact, I was looking at my my scuba diving license at the airport yesterday, uh-huh. and um, I got my diving qualification when I was seventeen. Uh, so I've always loved diving. Yeah, and I used to. I discovered a, a place in Sydney where there were commercial quantities of black lab abalone. Uh huh. And I used to. Uh, we, we were limited. To it. We had a, a limited number of, I think it was 20 a day we could take back then. Uh-huh. But what I used to do is I used to, I'd get people that were just standing around to pretend that I'd assign 20 to each person right? in case I got pulled over by the uh, the fisheries. How many would you come away with? Quite a few. I'm not prepared to say. Go on, say it. No. Say it. More than 100. There we go. And they're very valuable. Five times over the limit. They're very valuable. Yeah, I know. And uh, I used to actually shuck them. That's S-H-U-C-K. Uh-huh. And I used to pack them in dry ice and send them to Malaysia. Oh, so you used to illegally fish abalone and sell it to Malaysians. I'm not sure I was in the police force at the time. You absolutely were, because I've seen photos of you and Julian in your scuba suits with tubs of abalone in the background. Yep. So. Anyway, uh, I only did it once. No, fuck you. You did it way more than <laughs> And it was hard to get. I had to go out at night time and get rid of the shells. Yeah, okay. That was a nightmare. All anyway. Right, so, um, all right. That, this has little to do with the air wing. It doesn't have nothing to do with the air wing. But okay, so just just for the for the layman, what does the air wing actually? What is the air wing? Okay, police force. So, well, two things. They've got fixed wing and helicopters. Now, you don't often hear about fixed wing. Fixed wing meaning uh, like a Cessna. But what or, is no? But what is the actual air wing? What does it oh, do? Oh, it's just a bunch of planes and helicopters that do what? They do surveillance and incredible stuff. Okay, amazing. Surveil- They're just. I mean, how many times over Sydney and Melbourne do you look up and there's a police helicopter up there? I, I don't really. Well, you should. So what I'm saying is, why have an air wing as a police force? Apart from just surveillance, what el- what other functions do they fulfill? Well, traffic. Okay. They, they, although that's 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 dished out to private, uh, you know, authorities. A rescue, you know, sea rescue, cliff rescue. Okay. Now you've got your Westpac helicopters and you've got your all that sort of stuff. But the, the police helicopters are amazing. They're just fantastic. Right. Uh, and, and, of course, everyone on board is a police officer. So, uh, you know, you're armed. And if you, you might want to get somewhere really, really quickly, I've got an amazing air wing story. Holy f- 
Fuck, it's a bad, it's a ball terror. It's, it's depressing, but it's oh, a good great. one. So before, well, let's do. Let's yeah, but make, let's get back. So, yeah. so I guess I, I would imagine a lot of people in the police force in general duties would have just dreamt about getting into the air wing, and it was almost impossible. Okay. It was so difficult to get into the air wing that I actually can't even remember how I got in. I must have put a report in, and I was pretty good on paper, to be fair, Mm. and I got a response back from, you had to go through the chief pilot. Uh Now, can I just say... Did you have to best him in single combat, Red Baron style, to join? No. Oh, that's a bummer. Yep. But listen, but, um, just, just, just quickly, let's yeah. place this in time. Yep. So when, during your police career was Mid-80s. Mid-80s. Yeah, 84, 85. Had you moved to forensics at this point? No. So you're still in general duties? Yep. Uh, okay, I don't mind. I just, if we're going to be jumping around, I want to try and uh, help yeah, listeners. Um, you know, 80, 84. Sure. Let's call it 84. Okay. And the, the helicopters back then were the Bell Jet Ranger. They were an amazing helicopter. They were just... Fuck, so exciting. You like choppers, do you? Oh, love them. Well, a mate of mine who's a Qantas captain, mm. he said to me, because he refuses to go up in a helicopter, and he said, I will go up in a helicopter when you show me a bird. Now, this is a visual thing, unfortunately, folks. Yeah. When you can show me a bird that's wing goes like that. I will, so, I'm spinning. I'm gesticulating. Hang on. One feather goes around and around. What a dickhead argument. His argument is that it's not natural for it to be flown around. They're not supposed to fly. But planes aren't supposed to fly. No, no, that's just incorrect. It isn't. If you get a ball, uh, like a bit of newspaper, and you just roll it up in a ball and throw it, it'll just fall. That's basically a helicopter. Yeah, but a plane falls. A helicopter, if you make a nice little plane out of it, and throw it. It can. They have competitions. What about that movie where they, the kids were throwing the? You get a rubber band, and you actually can. I'm not going to argue with this. Like, what a strange Paul, prejudice. When to it have. comes to aerodynamics, you're better off, mate. Just, just leave it to the experts. Like you. Yep. Okay. So you've um you've engaged in a Dunkirk style dogfight with the head of the air wing, or sent him in your application, or whatever. Yeah. It was it? Yep. And he said yes. Yeah. And they said, come on over. And come on over to where geographically? To now it was at Mascot, and I'll tell you. We were living on the northern beaches of Sydney, and to get to Mascot at 7 a.m. Mm. was... A nightmare, I guess. Oh, we had no tunnels going into the Sydney Harbour. What is it, two hours or something? It was shit. Yeah. The traffic was rat shit. You know what would have helped you get there quicker? Helicopter. Fucking helicopter. Love it. <laughs> anyway, um, Paul, I can read you like a 20-cent paperback. Anyway, so... Let's hope the book doesn't ever end up that cheap. No. Please continue. So, it, this was actually the, the first day, because I actually... Really, really love airports. Mm-hmm. I love the smell of benzene or avgas, whatever. Sure. Uh, that's not the only thing I like about airports. I'm not addicted to the fumes. But, uh, he thinks he doth protest. But here's much. a little story. Here's a little story. When oh. I lived in Armadale and my parents were school teachers at the time back in the 60s, there yeah. was a tiny little town called Urala, south of Armadale. And we, we, we just... Our, our, our childhood was simple. I used to go cray bobbing. Do you know what that is? Uh, no. Cool. Uh, just look it up. And um, and there was a hurdy-gurdy. Do you know what a hurdy-gurdy is? Uh, it's like a thing that spins around in a park. And we used to go. They'd, they'd all be banned now for, 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 for reasons that kids fly off and kill themselves. Yes. But 
back then. Is that where it's like it looks like an orb with three doors and a wheel inside, and you get inside? Not and you... quite. It's it's way before it's that. Open, it's though, primitive. It? It's open. Your kids are just hang on. In fact, I was on one up north once, and some particular people set their wild dog onto me. Oh, and while I was spinning around on this hurdy gurdy, it actually latched onto my back. So it was me holding on and the dog holding onto my the skin in my back ah. as we. And the centrifugal force eventually spun the dog away. Okay, it'll do that. But that really has nothing to do with the story because on a Sunday afternoon, mum and dad would take us to the airport in Armadale to watch, get ready for this, a Fokker Friendship or rarely a DC-3 land and take off. Right. And these were exciting times as a young kid. So I just became, not obsessed, but I love planes. So when I had the opportunity to apply to, to, to do a trial at the police air wing, which mm. lasted a month, uh, and the trial was that of the position of observer. So you have a senior observer sitting to the left of the pilot, mm. and then the junior observer would be sitting behind the pilot generally. Yeah. And I fronted up, and they were very, very, it was so full on. These guys were so anal, so fair income. So I kind of felt that maybe. This was not going to be such fun. But then I began to realise when you're at an airport working with, with um, you know, aircraft yeah. in, in spectacularly dangerous circumstances, you... Um, you can't dick around, I guess. No, no. And, you, and, and we used to do two-hour sorties. Yeah. Uh, and you do two two-hour flights a day per shift. And... Um, so, hang on. At this point, had you... Was this... So we've already established that you and Julian would uh, fly around on your weekends. Yeah. Right. When you got to the air wing, had you already been doing that? Did you know how to fly at this point? Yeah, I had a bit, bit of a knowledge, but okay. not, not certainly not helicopters, uh, okay. which are, you know, as I said, you know, they're a whole, whole different uh, yeah. kettle of fish. Completely unnatural. Yeah. Unnatural. And uh, so the, the head pilot out there was a lovely guy, ex-Vietnam pilot, and he was, he was, a, he was a hard man. And... As an aside, he's now a friend of mine. Is he? And he's the loveliest guy. Is he? He's such a nice guy. Do you want to name drop him? Um, Peter Leslie. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't know him. But Christine I'm... and I, uh, you know, we, we see him socially sometimes, and he's a really, really fascinating guy. He's a very Zen guy. Great. He's into meditation, and but he flew in the Vietnam War. Oh, amazing! Yeah, so love to meet him. Fascinating. Okay. Uh, very kind of spiritual sort of a guy, really. Hmm. Um, I, I'd say that. Look, even the pilots back then, there was a pilot in my class. So they had to go through initial trainings. Then they'd go out to the uh, the air wing and fly. Then they'd come back for secondary training. So they, they were uh, police officers sure, sure. as well as pilots. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the sort of work we used to get involved in, I, I remember we had these amazing, this is probably a bit old school if people are now listening in terms of what's used, the equipment now. But back then, this is like cutting edge. We used these amazing, massive binoculars now what you had to do as the observer before you took off and several minutes before you took off you had to plug these binoculars mm. into this uh sort of power socket because what happened was they had a massive gyroscope inside them and the gyroscope took a long long time to really get going but what it did is it that counteracted, counteracted the, 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 the vibration that's amazing and they're really big and clunky and you had these two leather straps one either side and when you were flying and and, and being inside a helicopter is really noisy. Yeah. It's the vibration inside the helicopter is mm. unbelievable. Yeah. It's frenetic. It's intense. 
uh, you're in a very, very small, almost claustrophobic environment. They're kind of stupid, aren't they? <laughs> no, they're weird. They're very and, strange. And, 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 they're, and, you know, look, you've really got to always be looking where you kind of... And when you go to move from one side of the helicopter to the other, mm. you had to notify, so you'd tap the, the captain, yep. a pilot, on, on his shoulder, and, and he would basically... He, he needed... These things are so... I mean, I'm talking about the Bell Jet Ranger in the early 80s. Sure. So I imagine things have moved on a lot. Mm. But to move, to slide across from one side of the seat, like a bench seat yeah. in the back, you if you just sort of tried to stand up and moved over, you would really upset the equilibrium. Yeah. And if you were uh, close to the ground, it could you could tilt it and, you'd, well, technically... You could you could crash. Sure. So it's really full on. But these binoculars, so you're flying around and then you'd grab the binoculars and they had this amazing sort of a lever and you'd press the lever and it would engage the gyro. So you're looking through these uh, lenses and everything's sort of shuddering and shaking violently and as you press this button and the gyro engaged, everything became slow motion. Right. How's that? That's very strange. It's surreal. No vibration. And you'd kind of, kind of go to move the binoculars and that was like they almost didn't want to move. They were just right. wanting to stabilize. Amazing. And we used to do the three shifts while well, we did the, the day shift and then you do an afternoon shift, which went till 11. And then it was rarely, rarely... The, 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 the air wing basically would shut down mm. because of the noise. But nowadays, they've got super quiet helicopters with new technology. Yeah. So they can, they're really quiet. But we had all the rescue gear. We had winches to do sea rescues. Mm. And when I was in my training, one of the things they wanted to do was to determine whether or not I'd get airsick. Oh, interesting. So You look so sad about this. Is this how they kind of... This is how I... I mean, I'm sort of... There's a lot that happened in between, but yeah. uh, basically... Is this, is this the case that you were going to talk about? No, no, no. It's not okay. that. It's just that sometimes... Because we had to... Uh, we were at Mascot, which is right... Our, the police air wing is basically right next to one of the main runways of the international airport. Mm. So you can imagine it's amazing yeah. and it's pumping. And we had to get permission, obviously, through air traffic control to take off. Sure. So sometimes the pilot would be a bit bored and he'd hover. And then sometimes if they sort of were really bored, they'd start rocking the helicopter from side to side. So oh. you're basically like being in a cradle. Oh, and then sometimes they do back forward and, and backwards as well. And mm. I'm in the back. And you had you had sick bags. And the I remember I vomited. Uh, now, when I vomit, I put a lot into it. Three bags full, sir. So yes. it's really, really... There's a lot, you know, a lot of... Exorcist sick, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's a bit of projectile and there's a lot of smell <laughs> and there's a lot of noise. And it's the whole combination. And the the chief a... pilot was really, really fucking pissed off and he landed the helicopter. Right. Basically, just said, look, this is because it's disgusting. It's gross. And, uh, but, you know, he was doing that, I think, partially because he was bored, but also because uh, he wanted to test me out. Um, well, you can't have that going on in the line of duty. No, you no, know. no. So, okay. <sighs> You mentioned a specific case in the air wing. I don't think... What I'd like to do is try and confine the air wing stuff to just this episode. Okay. So I would love for you to just rock out one real ball terror of a story about the air wing, if you could, mm. for listeners. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Do you have one in particular? You told me that you had one. Yes, I do. I just tried. Well, there are so many. But do you have one that you think would be particularly intriguing? Well, there's the one about the boat. Um, I don't know that one. Selling the boat. You can give me as many prompts as you want, but I mean, selling the boat. That's not an air wing story. Well, it kind of is because it involved one of the pilots. Tell you what, let's finish with that. You, you sure? Yeah. Uh, look, look, I'll just tell you a little bit about surveillance. Okay. okay. So, and I'm, I'm probably not saying too much about surveillance i gotta be a little bit careful but i imagine things have changed a lot sure. but the police force used to be used the air wing yeah. um for high altitude surveillance mm. now what that means just making sure i don't give too much away is that if for example you had a major drug runner yeah going from for example the airport to let's pick up a, a suburb at random, say Palm Beach, yep. a very salubrious suburb, the furthest, most northerly tip of Sydney's beaches. Yep. And let's say that this particular drug runner, let's say that all the drug squads and all the surveillance and the undercover guys, let's say everyone knew that this big thing was going to go down. Let's say. So they are going to instigate a massive surveillance operation and they're going to tail him basically. But what they do is with tailing mm-hmm. is that they firstly need to establish the target vehicle. Now, for example, they might take out one of the globes in one of the rear lights, for example. For example. Hypothetically. To enable that car to be slightly more able to be seen. But imagine if that person Mm -hmm. that's being followed, he, he doesn't know he's being followed, but he spends his entire life imagining he's being followed. So what he does, he does what's called a counter run, where or a counter surveillance run. Yeah. So in his mind he's thinking, well, just in case. So what he might do, and this is pre red light cameras, yeah. he may just go through every single red light. Now if he's being followed, yeah. 
it's going to look pretty obvious to him hmm. that another car has gone through that same red light. Of course. Okay. Yes. Now he's got a long trip. Let's say he's got 25k and it's night time. Uh-huh. He wants to get from, hypothetically, the airport to Palm Beach. That's a long drive. And he's got a lot of gear on him. Let's hmm. say 10, 20 million dollars worth. So we're playing for big stakes. Jesus. Heroin. So... And pure heroin is not actually a massive amount physically because it's cut down dramatically. It's like cordial in that respect. Correct. So, imagine you've got cars in parallel streets. Now, parallel surveillance is really difficult because you're actually surveilling a vehicle that you don't see. You'd see it occasionally, right? Maybe they get to see it. But imagine if they had, wow, someone in the sky looking down on this whole operation. Right. Being able to guide and... Because if the car that they're f- allegedly, supposedly following wants to be sneaky, like yeah. go into an underground car park, mm. everyone has to back off. Right. But that car is going to appear and with the aid of perhaps, for example, a light missing, mm-hmm. it helps up, up in the sky. Yes. And you are flying... Fairly high, so high, in fact, that you can't be heard. And you're looking through the guy through, in the car. And you're looking through gyroscopic binoculars for a great distance. Okay. And then sometimes, because you can't plan these particular events, yeah. sometimes you have a problem with fuel in the <laughs> helicopter. Now, this is when it gets really interesting. Sure. So, what happens is at night time, yeah. another helicopter, and this is really, this is like the military type flying, gets off. Another helicopter will come up and literally be flying right next to you at night time. Oh, my God. And then you must... Look, the blades. How would that look, be? Look, they're for, obviously there. All but right. you can see the guys in the cabin. Yeah. They're flying next to you. It's night time. Everyone's a bit excited. Yeah. And then what happens is you communicate directly with that observer mm-hmm. and he has to prove to you yeah. that he has the said vehicle and he has to prove mm. beyond a reasonable doubt yeah. that he's got the car. Oh, and then he takes over. And then you fly away. Interesting. And then they take over. It is a shame that vomit is not a viable fuel source because then they could just rock you back and forth, zip you around to the side, and you could just barf straight into the fuel tank. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Carry silly. Around, completely carry, silly and carry around borderline ridiculous. Yeah, okay. That's good, Paul. So the guy, uh, the, the, you do the handoff and the guy, the other chopper continues. Do you ever feel a bit miffed when you tag tag out from a... Yeah, from, yeah you do, because you'd love to sort of follow through. Do you think you get the... I mean, do you get less glory if you... No, no, we, we are never, ever. We're never mentioned. Okay. Ever. We have fr- nothing... It's never, ever to be discussed. The phrase glory boys was brought up a lot oh, in the book. Yeah, that's... Something else. No, that's detectives. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, that would imply that there is a certain kind of cop who that's wants different. to get credit different. for Different, not thing. the air wing. Okay. Um, can I tell you a very great little story? They took me out to a very famous place called Prospect Reservoir in Sydney. Yep. And it was cloudy, mm-hmm. so there's a, a massive fog, sure. really low. Yeah. And the lovely chief pilot... Now, probably what I'm about to say... I had a camera with me and I was heavily into photography and I used to take slide photographs. I don't know whether anyone's even going to know what a slide is. Mm. And I had my amazing camera with film, if anyone knows what film is. Oh, and, uh, okay, this is a bit a bit amazing, actually, and probably contravenes a lot of the, the laws of, 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 of aviation. Sure, well, you've already broken the laws of the sea, so why not do the air? Okay, so what happened was, and this is just, this is too amazing for words, they had what was called a, uh, like a collar, like a horse collar, I think, 
they called it. And it was sort of at the bottom of this amazing sort of wire uh, rope that was attached to a uh, like a, a winch. Mm. And they put this uh, like a, a vest and it, it's like a rescue vest sure, and it's sure. pretty comfortable yeah. and it would go underneath your arms mm. and the helicopter was maybe, let's see, let's say maybe 100 feet above me okay. and I'm on the ground and they take off yeah. and they actually... Wait, so you're in this vest? I'm in it with oh. my camera. They did this to me. Get so the, I, Really? Yeah. One morning, a Sunday morning with a fog. It was so... And I actually... It was so magical because what I got to do, they flew me over Prospect Reservoir and I was only feet off the water. And I'll never forget, and I was taking photographs and there were ducks that were literally stepping on the water beneath me, ready to take off. And it was was extraordinary. And then I'll never forget, I actually looked up and at one stage I couldn't see the helicopter. Because of the fog? Yeah, which is... Of course, these pilots are instrument rated, which means they're, they're they are allowed to fly. But there was me. Now imagine if they had have kept going, and I had have, for example, hit a tree. Oh my god! I'd be fucked, wouldn't yeah. I? Yeah, yeah. So hang on. So that was an amazing experience. Where are the photos? I I don't know if I've still got them. Dad, I know they're amazing. People keep the bad like bad photos. I know. How do you not have the good ones? Oh look, you know, Dad. Just for the listeners, Dad's gone into this kind of obsessive minimalism phase, and Dad's, uh, you know, uh, area of minimalism, his specialty, is getting rid of prized heirloom photos and childhood possessions, and just just purging anything mm. that tethers him to this physical realm, Less including photos taken as you dangle from a helicopter in a foggy. Yeah, extraordinary, Dad. That's it was amazing. phenomenal. So that's that was exciting, and really lovely of the chief shit. pilot to do that for me. But can I just? I know you want to. Do we have to wrap it up? Or well, I mean, this I'd next story t- you tell is a real good one. So which I would one? Love- the one about the boat, right? Yeah, but that's really it's a, it's it's an, it's not actually about the air wing, is it? Well, but it's a great story. Don't let me don't let my quibbling over semantics talk. But you it's out. a really really nice story because what it what it portrays is that we we perceive ex uh, helicopter pilots, ex Vietnam helicopter pilots. That yeah. I mean, let's face it, we're talking scary stuff. Flying yeah. at night time in Vietnam, mm. no lights. They could look. To the, to the helicopter next door and see the glow coming from their instrument panel. Mm. Guys were sitting on their helmet, their, their, their tin hats because only the pilot was protected from uh, ground Shrapnel, fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty, pretty scary stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I got to fly with some of these amazing pilots that were truly incredible. Now, my brother, Mark, mm. had... He and I were seriously into, you know, abalone diving and, on, you know, semi, semi-illegal. And uh, and fishing. And my brother had this amazing boat and we decided he wanted to sell it and I pitched it to one of the, the pilots in the air wing. Yes. And this pilot, uh, you know, ex-Vietnam pilot, he was afraid of nothing. And we met very, very early on the beaches at my place yeah. and it was dark and we towed this boat. So so effectively we're, we're doing a uh, like a sales pitch mm. and I've, I've always loved selling and I thought this is a good opportunity. I was obviously going to get a small commission. We went up to Pitwater and we launched this boat and this was a pretty serious fishing boat. What Describe it. Well, it was about 15, maybe 16 feet long. It had what was called a center console. It was rigged for, for serious fishing and we had some serious motors on the back and... Uh, we took it out, and we went right out through towards uh, Lion Island, okay. which is a notorious spot, particularly for hammerhead sharks. Yeah, and everything was going really, really well. We almost had the sail in the bag, and we turned around to come back, and we looked, and there was one of those horrendous southerlies, a massive one of the great storms rolling up from the north. Yeah, 
and we realised that we had minutes to try and get back into Pittwater. And we started and the sea became a maelstrom. Now, in terms of the Beaufort scale, if anyone knows, it was the sea turned literally to foam and there were massive waves and I had to be at the very front of the boat because when we went over the waves, the wind would literally want to flip the boat over and this poor pilot, ex-Vietnam pilot, was sitting down in a semi-fetal position and rightfully so because we, the three of us, believed that we were going to sink and and at, at the least drown right. and then possibly be devoured by sharks. And it was horrendous. And it was it was so scary. And I had to be right up the front of the boat, literally leaning over to counterweight the wind wanting to flip the boat. And it was, it was chaotic. And, and the sea was black. The skies were black. We were the only boat out there. Needless to say, we eventually... And my brother was bailing. It was so bad. This guy's... And I, at that point in time, realized that I... Th- I, I felt that the sail would not go through <laughs> because what we'd done is effectively turned him off boating forever. But what you did also do as a counterpoint is prove the seaworthiness of the boat. Correct. Right. But that, that was Which of the irrelevant. two impulses won out? In the uh, he didn't buy the boat. He was, he was traumatised and, uh, and I think that's... Yeah. Anyway, that's my little story. It's kind of related to the air wing. Okay. Okay. Christ. I just never knew you were in the air wing. How did you finish the air wing? Why did why you why did you finish up at the air wing? Uh, well, what happened was they used to trial uh, really really keen people, and yeah. I did my month there. And yeah, I just uh, you know I don't know whether it was the right fit. I kind of felt that some of the observers were a little bit kind of they were sort of I don't want to be uncharitable, but it was a, it was a certain type of person mm. that enjoyed working there, and it really wasn't my my cup of tea. And okay. to be honest with you, it, it's incredibly, believe it or not, this is going to sound a bit weird, but you know what? Flying around in helicopters all day, every day is actually really boring. Right. Okay. And that wasn't for me. Okay. Yeah. You're... But but actually, I've got one other little, have, do we have time for a yeah, tiny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, in. this is a great one. Mm. I'll make it really, really quick. We're in the air. We're flying over nor- northern Sydney. Mm. We got a call to a truck that had gone off like a truck accident. Sure, sure. And it was at a place called Pete's Ridge. Now, back in the day, they had the police rescue. This is before the New South Wales Fire Brigades did the rescue. Yeah. It was purely police rescue. And they used to wear their beautiful white overalls, black leather hats. They had these amazing white trucks. They've still got a few of them around. Mm. And they had to leave Pennant Hills. Now, from Pennant Hills to this accident at Pete's Ridge, which is near a big way station north of Sydney on the main highway, Pacific Highway, it's a really notorious, dangerous piece of road. You'd mm. gone over the Hawkesbury River. And, you know, for them, for this... And it was obviously a really serious accident, but we didn't have very much information. But VKG contacted us because we used to scan every single channel in Sydney because we were the only helicopter. And they said, look, would we be able to get up to this prang? So I'll never forget, I'm looking down out of my window to the left and I could see this tiny, tiny little white truck, mm. which was police rescue. And I, I figured that it would take them probably... At least half an hour. Imagine that. Imagine having to wait half an hour to be cut out of a, a vehicle. Because yeah. obviously the fact that they've been engaged. So we fly and we... Are, now, what I'm about to say was something out of a Stephen King book. Yeah. Something out of the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Because we landed. We could see this truck and had gone off the road. Yeah. And it 
was weird, but there were no police officers at the scene. No highway patrol, no general duties. We're in the middle of nowhere on the highway. And we landed behind these trees and we've walked out into the scene and we're wearing these amazing flying suits, Mm. which were like dark green. And I went over to the truck and I looked inside and there were four decapitated bodies in the truck. Jesus. So it was was Christmas holidays. So there were three men and one of the the guys had his son on, on school holidays and the load, so the truck went down into the into the culvert, which is like a, a sort of like a how would you describe it's it? Like, like a, a dip yeah, to, the, yeah. to the to the left of the road, yeah. and then the the load of steel came through the cabin, so it cut four heads off, and all of the heads were, uh, including the head of a, a young boy, were all at their feet. So that was pretty depressing. And so I just sort of got down and realised that you know there's not a lot could be dirt could be done. And so that's a pretty bad part of the story. But the weird part of the story, which I found uh, quite fascinating and, and surreal, sure. if, as if that whole scene's not bizarre, because yeah. it was weird being the only police there. Weird. But eventually all these police start rocking up. Firstly, the Highway Patrol, because they've got the pursuit cars. Yep. You know, they don't do a lot, but they just kind of hang around, sure. maybe do a bit of traffic control. And uh, I'll never forget this, uh, this police officer came up to me and said, who the fuck are you? There is exact words. And I said, oh, where were the air wing? And he went, where's your fucking helicopter, mate? And I just walked away. The guy was a, was a bit of a whatever. The great part of this story is that we were behind the trees. Yes. And then we started to go. Tuk, 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 and then we looked down to the astonishment of that guy and others they see this helicopter just basically come out. Oh, it was surreal. Well, it'd be like it'd be like rocking up to a crime scene and seeing some guys in scuba suits. Correct. And you'd be like, "What are you Where's doing?" Where's the here? water? Exactly. Exactly. It was great. And then we just sort of flew away. We had no paperwork. We were the first on the scene. Yep. And then we just resumed patrol. Now, I guess going back to that letter or that note from a few weeks ago from that girl about the trauma. Yeah. I, I don't recall any any trauma. You just you know. I think that's the thing about being professional. You. You're you're engaged. Yeah. You know you're working. You, you I, kind of kind of expect to see some bad shit. Yeah. I think of it as um, there's an ep- there's an episode of The Simpsons where Monty Burns has like a thousand different ailments, and the guy gives him this visual metaphor. He gets all these little toys and tries to cram them through a doorway at once, and he's like, "There's so many of them trying to get through that they all get stuck, and none of them can get through." It's like if one traumatic thing happens to me, a person who has a very privileged life without trauma, it stands out because it's like a black dot on a white canvas. Whereas with you, it's just this grid of dots. It's like which one are you going to pick? It's so busy. There's so much going on that none of it really gets a chance to filter mm, through. Mm. Um, that was an absolutely packed episode, Dad. Thank you. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to Loose Units again. Uh, we've got time for a very, very quick question from the mailbag. Isabella asks, I so hope there is an audiobook coming out. Uh, I'll answer that one. There is an audiobook coming out. Um, I'm recording it uh, around about now, actually. So uh, the audiobook will be out very, very soon. My question, why do you hate possums? <clears throat> well, let's say um, I love possums. This is a callback to episode one or two, I think. Uh, now, possums are, have played a fairly prominent role in my life because Christine and I, we, we used to go to North Head to mm. just sort of sit in the car and chill. Yeah. And there was a crowd. I saw this crowd in my rear vision mirror 
This is only a few months ago. Mm. And there was a possum that had gone into a big garbage bin and it had decided to sleep the night. But what happened was it got really, really hot and it became, oh. you know, fatigued and stressed and it was perspiring profusely, right. as was I when I saw it. And we had to try and get the possum out of the, the bin. Right. Uh, and weirdly, we called wires. But then I thought about it later and thought, you know, I could have just tipped the bin over. <laughs> uh, but I didn't. And then my father uh, used to uh, feed possums sure. at their house uh, on the northern beaches of Sydney. And then he fed them bananas uh, for many, many years. So there was an actual... Uh, there were multiple families of possums. And then Dad got the shits with the possums. And then he decided to set up uh, traps. So we went out and bought traps. And then he'd catch them in the uh, the possum trap. And then he'd get me to take them to another suburb. So I used to drive them down to Cromer and let them go in the Cromer golf course. Which is, of course, um, an obstacle to be negotiated by any willing golfer. I guess the answer to that question, Isabella, is uh, he doesn't hate possums I anymore. love possums. Loves them. Great. Yep. All right. That was a weird way to finish a very violent episode. Thank you for listening to another week's episode of Loose Units, the podcast. If you haven't already, and I know you probably have, but if you haven't, uh, run to a bookshop and grab a copy of Loose Units. If they don't have it, or tell them to order it in. They can absolutely do that. That is within their remit as a purveyor of fine books. Um, get across to facebook.com forward slash loose units and join in all the fun. Head across to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. And we will see you next week for more true crime straight from the mouth of my ex-cop dad. That sounded weird. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.